I clutched my pearls the whole time I read this book. I'm like hooked. I was on the edge of my seat. I leaned forward. Five stars, baby. Welcome to Books in the City Pod. Ooh. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to Books in the City. I'm Kayla. I'm Libby. And I'm Becky. <laughs> and we usually have a fourth friend here, but she is busy finishing up her dissertation i'm phd science stuff and her name is emily yeah (laughs) um and we are four friends well three right now who (laughs) met at a book club in new york city and now we talk about books with all of you yeah and today is april 25th (laughs) did you have your book club already oh yesterday (laughs) 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 <laughs> i was like well not again well, so we're obviously recording this in the future but uh thanks for no we're recording this in the past in the past yeah <laughs> it's been a long day oh my god this um, is the fourth episode of a marathon record and we're not as loopy as we usually are i feel no. like we were actually the loopiest during the chaos episode because we were all like on caffeine but anyway do you know why i think we're not because we all had like a solid lunch like we went out and got sushi second wind but yeah thanks for coming to my (laughs) book club about the innocent life oh well i guess is today when i announced my i mean you already announced it yeah i did i mentioned uh that my my book club for may (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what year it is as referenced in a previous episode um but anyway, my book club for May is going to be The Cartographers by Peng Shepard. We're going to do it on actually June 1st, Wednesday, June 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern on Zoom on the fan club, book club on Patreon. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a lot. I felt like that took a lot out of me. <laughs> that was tough. Cartographers, my it's- book club, May. Thank you for coming to... <laughs> the innocent wife oh man okay we're fully doing this like two months early one month early i don't two. know but here we are two that, months early those two are the early. announcements that we have and as you know during this month of april well emily finishes her dissertation i've been babysitting the fishbowl and the fish are ready for vacation and as of, as am i and they are thinking about travel and they want to know what is our preferred airline, airline, airplane seat. Oh, I forgot what the question was. I was like, what is and, this? And like, what are your other travel like quirks or like habits? So, I mean, I think the first thing is mm-hmm. me. So everybody knows me and Kayla went to Paris together and we took the same flight. But um, I'm an aisle seat gal. And I'm a window seat. So we had like a stranger in between us the whole time, which was interesting. I don't remember on the way there, actually. On the way there, she ate sushi on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And actually, that woman was also on our flight going home, but she didn't sit next to us. And the lady who sat next to us on the way home was (laughs) wild. She was like... Very drunk. Very drunk already and like still going on the plane and like would not stop talking and was like BFF with a guy behind us (laughs) who she rode with, like she sat next to on the way and like she kept telling us that he was like passing out Xanax to them and like that they both 
were like knocked out. I don't know. It was crazy. But she was she was actually funny because we had a really, really attractive uh, flight attendant and she had the funniest commentary about him. (laughs) And also on that flight like the episode of Real Houses of Salt Lake City where Jen Shaw got arrested oh, had yeah. just aired. So we downloaded it onto Becky's iPad and like Becky watched it first and then she, you were like, oh my God. And like, I was like speaking <laughs> out loud during yeah. it. And then there was like the handoff over the drunk woman to <laughs> me and she, then I was like, oh my God, like freaking out. And she was like, what are you watching? So then we told her all about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and the various crimes going on. Wow. And she was like, I need to start this. Yeah. So we converted someone. Yeah. But other air, airplane <laughs> or travel quirks for me, I have to get to the airport very early and once I get in through security, even if my flight does not leave for another two hours, I need to go find the gate just to make sure it's there. <laughs> and then I can go throughout the airport. And I think everybody who follows me on Instagram knows I missed a flight recently. And it was the most traumatic thing for me because I'm such an anxious, like, get to the airport really early. Um, and now I was I th- shocked. I know everybody was yeah. shocked. And now I think... I'm going to be getting to the airport even earlier than I normally do just because oh. of that stress. Even though I only, I missed it from sleeping. It had nothing to do with getting to the airport. It was just I overslept. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I flew but as we're recording this last week. I went to Florida and I have a lot of anxiety in general, but I have like travel anxiety. I'm just like Becky, I need to get there early to make sure we're through security. I don't like it to be a stressful experience. Like I want to relax. And I also have a lot of anxiety around food. And I always need to know like what my next meal is going to be and when I'm going to eat it because I'm not, I don't like who I am when I'm hungry. And like I, my body just doesn't function if I'm even slightly hungry. So I took, I was taking like a 1045 PM flight after working in the office that day. And I was so stressed all day. Cause I was like, when am I going to eat? I'm going to, people are going to like think I'm <laughs> insane because on Google, it said that the air, the restaurants in the gate close at 8 30 PM. And I was like, I'm not going to be there in time. You could have gone to TWA. Uh, well, it ended up working out, but they Google really ended up being that wrong, early? but oh. they, they closed like, uh, it actually was pretty early because we sat down and she was like, we're closing. I think they closed at nine. My oh. mom, I was flying with her and she has no travel anxiety so she's like we'll be fine and i'm like we won't be fine like what am i gonna eat like we weren't landing until 1 a.m we actually kept getting delayed so i didn't land until after 2 a.m and like i need to eat dinner like that's my main meal so i ordered this isn't gonna sound crazy to anyone because it's like a normal thing i've just never done it i ordered a sandwich to my apartment to like get delivered and i was like just in case I can't eat dinner but it became like a running joke with like all my coworkers and everyone in my family because I was like so stressed about food that it was like okay I have this sandwich with me the restaurants ended up being open so I got (laughs) to eat at JFK because I need to eat I need a meal before I get on a flight because if I get hungry on the plane like it's over for me because you're trapped like you can't get a snack like I don't always like the snacks that they give um and then they give you two pretzels in one yeah, little bag. Yeah, like it's not enough. So I got to eat in JFK and my sandwich made it to Florida with me. And then my <laughs> uncle was very happy that I brought the gift of a New York sand- deli sandwich for him. But it, I thought that just summed up all of my like travel anxieties. Like 
I also had like a wild time getting to JFK, but I'm not going to keep talking. But, um, <laughs> I'm yeah. the same way. I, I need to, I like either eat in the airport or I buy like snacks at the little like, you know, Hudson, Hudson books. books yeah. yeah. And then like bring it on the plane because I just like to have the option. I need to have something other than what they're going to give me because I'm not going to pay for like one of those gross things from the actual plane. Yeah. If I'm like hungry enough, you know, like I need to buy a giant water bottle Mm -hmm. and a snack that I probably won't end up eating because I I need a meal (laughs) like like, gross airport food. Yeah. Right before I get on the plane. Yeah. Oh, well, we're really different travelers. <laughs> this is why Kayla and I are like travel buddies for life, because we're the most perfect pair yeah. when it comes to this. We're the same. Yeah, I have a feeling. Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew, obviously knew that. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm fine just hustling through security and like just getting to my gate as it's boarding. Um, Absolutely not. That's I can't even get up and my... go to the bathroom if it says it's going to board within the next like five minutes. I'm like, I, I, this is going to, I'm going to miss it. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I've run through many an airport. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> torture. I feel like it yeah. just ruins your vacation and you're just so stressed. No. I mean, my sister's the same way. She has TSA pre-check and like oh, I, the I most ideal that. thing to her is she just like, Shows up, walks through security, walks on plane, sits down. Yeah. Like she does not want to like linger. I, yeah, I'm fine if I do end up getting there early, but I don't like, I can occupy my time, whatever, but I don't like sitting at the gate for more than like, I mean, really, like ideally I would not sit there at all. I'd just walk up and it would be boarding, but, um, and I'm a window seat person. Do we think most people are window seat people? No. I'm like strictly aisle. I like feel I, like a lot of people are aisle. I book um, travel for authors in publicity oh, yeah. and I'd say it's about uh, like 70, 30. Have like most ever, people are aisle. Have you ever had anyone request a middle seat? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Just wondering. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like I uh, can count on like one hand the number of times I've not had like a... St- stressful like where i've had a chill like just getting to my gate and hanging out moment but it that works better for me like it's not stressful for me because i know i'm gonna make a i've i've never missed a flight like i've come close but well i've never missed one i hadn't either but <laughs> yeah you didn't miss it because you were running late yeah yeah, yeah you, you slept, slept. Your alarm. that's the other thing i think a lot of the f- flights i tend to take are like the god awful like just the worst flights you can ever imagine like 5 a.m out of newark where i'm leaving brooklyn at three in the morning maybe so i'm always like cutting it close but it's also always like dead hours of the airport so it doesn't right i'm like i would rather that and maybe get a little sweaty running through the airport than be there at two in the morning and like oh my god what's I'd rather the be earliest you guys have ever shown up to the airport for a flight like how many hours before two me six uh, becky why what? i'll tell you why because i think it was te- i was in houston and my dad and my sister were also there and we had a rental car and my sister had a flight that was leaving at like 10 a.m or something 
And so me, my dad and my sister drove to the airport and my dad just returned the rental car. And my dad and I just sat in the airport all day until our flights that were at like four or something. So we, we, cause it was like, we didn't, we weren't going to drop her off then go drive yeah. far because Houston's big and stretched That's out. True. So it was like, so we just sat there and, and hung out me and my dad. I mean, it was fine. I wouldn't purposely go hang out at an airport for six hours. I and think the, yeah. two, not counting delays. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Two hours. I think my, the first time I ever left the country, I was on a trip with my mom and I think she's more similar to you too <laughs> with a little, and she, I think tries to, act like she's go with the flow about traveling but like as we're nearing you know the time when it's time to leave for an airport or something you can like feel her just like yeah becoming more and more tightly wound and i'm like okay this is gonna be literally it. on monday my mom and i were on the beach before going to the airport and i was like we need to leave i never want to leave the beach but i was like i'm not having fun i'm stressed oh, about see getting that, to the freaking airport that I, sucks i feel like for me I don't like having a time limit at all. So when it's a flight, it's even worse. Like, for example, if it was like a Saturday and I had plans at three o'clock, I cannot do something. in the, I cannot have other plans in the morning because all I'm going to be thinking about is if I'm going to be late for the plans in the afternoon, oh. like an appointment <laughs> or anything like, no, it just freaks me out. It stresses me out too much. Like, I can't be like, oh, let me casually shop around before I do this thing at this time. So if you're on vacation and you have a flight at night. The whole day you're thinking about that flight? No, usually later. Okay, like, like later in the day. Once it gets closer to it. Well, when yeah. we went to Paris, like we did stuff before we went to the airport. But I was home. freaking out the whole time. Oh. I was oh. thinking about, okay, what time do we need to get back so that we can get our stuff? Yeah. And I'm sure I vocalized it. Well, the international thing, I guess you're supposed to be there earlier. Yeah. But I was like, mom, two hours is fine. She has never been more mad at me when we were like in this long security line and I was like oh we might miss this flight but then it ended up getting delayed like five hours and I was like see I was right the security line is the thing that gets me with airports it's not the airport itself it's the unknown about how long the security is going to be because I've been to an airport at 6 a.m and had to wait in a really long security line and it's like you you never know I mean, some people don't. I've seen the people who don't come up I to the like desk. I don't getting into my seat on the plane and being, like, stressed. Oh, I've never I want to be, like, relaxed before I step onto the plane. Yeah, yeah. And I like to when go we, sit and drink in the airport. When we went to Chicago on the flight home, Becky and I were on the flight, same flight home, and we had a layover. Oh, God. And it they ended up holding the other plane because so many people on oh. our plane were on like going on to that one and i was from sitting Chicago? there like we're gonna be stuck in ohio yeah it was in cleveland if we were stuck in cleveland it would have been it would have been just fine, hung out with i my was dad. just like like the stress of like it ends up being fine but i did not think we were gonna make that layover mm-hmm. and then you're trapped on a plane like it just makes the anxiety worse if we all the four of us traveled somewhere by plane it would be interesting yeah it would be that's It'd be like a psychological study <laughs> emily and i would just Rolling see that's the, here's yeah. the thing about the four yeah, of we're us that works there. out so what part of what works out well especially with traveling is like each of us has a buddy that goes along mm. with our own thought process like you and emily would be so chill and me and kayla would be the ones like Wah. and it works out because you guys can be like oh they're crazy and we can be like 
they're gonna miss that fly <laughs> and then we maybe would come close but we'd make it yep okay we've been talking about this for so long <laughs> we clearly moral made a of trip. the story is me and kayla are wound up tight yep. and <laughs> that's that yeah um should we talk about books yeah wait who's going first kayla my first um, I'm very excited to talk about this book. Today I'm talking about How Do I Unremember This by Danny Pellegrino. Yeah. Okay, this I promise if you don't watch Bravo, like this isn't gonna be a whole Bravo thing. I feel like I was like worried to talk about this because I feel like people would assume it would be like when I did the Housewives book, but this is not that. Um if you watch my Instagram stories, you know I'm obsessed with the podcast Everything Iconic by Danny Pellegrino. So I'd been following him on Instagram for a long time and I always knew of the podcast because he'll have like people from Bravo on and interview them. But I started listening religiously, I think over the summer. Um, And he does like Housewives recaps, but it's basically a pop culture podcast. And I think he is like the funniest human. And I look forward to every single episode. I always laugh out loud and like some days when I'm at work, it is the highlight of my day. Like it's the only Aww. thing that gets me through because I always know when I put it on, like I'm going to laugh at least once and mm-hmm. like I'm going to smile. Like it really just is like it like brings me so much joy. And when I was like writing this, I was like, wow, I wonder if we make anyone feel like that. Not to be like, yeah, it, like sounds like conceited. But if we make any of you feel the way that this podcast makes me feel, then Wow, Bethany, wow. <laughs> I, just, I just had to do that. Um, okay, so Danny is like a comedian podcaster, obviously, and he's actually a ghostwriter. Oh, yeah. So I didn't he know that. wrote, the only one I know off the top of my head is he did like the fancy AF cocktail book with Tom Sandoval and Ariana from Vanderpump Rules. And there was like another big one, but I don't remember the name. He's been mentioning the book on the podcast for a while. And when he he interviewed Andy Cohen and there was like some talk about it. And Andy, like on in the interview, was saying to him, like, don't give up. And then now actually that the book's out, like Andy's been doing a lot to promote it. And Danny like credits. Danny was like going to give up because publishers like weren't into it. And Andy was like, no, don't give up. And he didn't. Um, I just thought that was cute. But it seems like he's had a long journey, like getting this book to print. And he in an interview, he said like they a lot of the publishers wanted him to do a Housewives book. But he was like, no, I know that there's an audience for this and that his listeners. But I think like anyone would enjoy this so basically on the podcast he'll do these like detours and tell stories that are just about his life and some episodes like those are my favorite parts of the podcast and that's what this book is like so it's kind of like a memoir but it's really like chapters of short stories that span his whole life we learn about his childhood in the Ohio suburbs with (laughs) his parents and two older brothers and he's from like a very Italian family and so on the podcast when he talks about Jersey Housewives he's like I relate to this because of like the Italian-ness and I'm not Italian like not even one percent but I think Long Island culture is similar to like American Italian culture and like like I relate to the Housewives of New Jersey Mm -hmm. because of that so like things about his family I was like yeah like he talks a lot about his dad's like temper and like it's not in a bad way like he's like my dad like loved us obviously but like these funny stories of like his dad like freaking out over things and it reminded me of like my family and like 
things that growing up that when, that my parents were doing. So there's also a lot of talk about his coming out journey and kind of struggling with it and coming out to different people in his lives and then in his life. And then he this book is like a happy book, but he gets very open and honest about mental health. One chapter he literally opens up with saying like that a few years ago he wanted to die and I like teared up reading this. It was obviously very sad to read, but I give him so much credit for being so vulnerable and like open about those things on the podcast too. And especially in a book like this, but there's also, I wrote in all caps, hilarious stories. I was laughing out loud on the beach reading this. Like he talks about his, one of his family's wild vacations to Florida and his dad like bought a new car that didn't fit in the garage. So instead of like returning the car, he had them, the, him and his brothers like rip all the cabinets <laughs> in the garage. Out. Oh my God. And then it still didn't fit. And like, um, they were driving from Ohio to Florida and they took out like the middle seat in the van so they could all like lay on the floor. And I was like, we did that once That's so growing fun. up and like, yeah, wait, same. And I they, never like, did that. My parents would never have let us do that. Well, rolling around. I'm not even going to say the rest of what happens on this trip. But I was like, none of this would be allowed now. It was just so like so funny. How old um, is he? He, I 30 think something. Like, yeah. Okay. So that's also a thing too. So like he is, I would say maybe like seven or eight years older than me. So like some of the cultural, like there's a lot of pop culture and nostalgia in this book. And some of it is stuff that like, I remember but like it was like a, a bit of like the group above the generation above us a bit um but it's still fun to read about okay so there's this story about how he like his birthday stresses him out because he doesn't want to be the person who like makes everyone do stuff for them but he also like you want to do something for your birthday so he tells the story so he likes to always just do like a movie and dinner so it's like a nice night out but like it's not like a big thing. And they went to see A Star is Born and he like, oh, convinced no. himself that the entire, I can't even say it, the entire Glee cast was there to surprise him. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? The entire cast of Glee. He <laughs> thought that they were there. He thought that they were there. He thought they would be there. He like thought his, they were there. He thought his friends. I and mean, he lives in LA. So he thought his boyfriend like... <laughs> Got them on but the- were they there? He got her into my house. She's like tearing so up funny. laughing right now. <laughs> that, that's so funny. It's so funny. Um, okay, so I don't want to like say more because I don't want to like give the book away. But I think obviously if you love his podcast, you will love this book. But I think if you're looking for a fun read, like it was such a great vacation book. But like any time of, of your life, really. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh <laughs> okay and like i said this isn't a housewives <laughs> book but there are housewives references and like he basically speaks in pop culture references which reminded me a bit of how i speak when i'm with someone else who watches problems <laughs> <laughs> i just thought of something in the book but i don't want to say it and like ruin it what is going on <laughs> laughing while they listen and not being like oh my god what's going on um okay but so basically i'm obsessed with danny and his podcast and this book just made me so happy there's so much talk of like nostalgia and family and i read it on a beach in florida that i've been going to my entire life with my family and it just felt like 
really perfect and special. And Becky and I went to like his book launch event and he was talking about how like the world is so heavy right now and he hopes that this book and his podcast could be like he said a warm hug and like a quick break from everything that's going on and I really think that's what both are like when I'm having a crazy stressful day like just listening to his podcast for one hour it just is like a nice break from life um so five stars obsessed with it and that was I don't know why I can't stop laughing (laughs) that was how do I unremember this by Danny Pellegrino at that book at that book event he had he had this long like montage of all of the like pop culture moments if from like i don't even know probably the past like 20 years that have like been iconic to him and it the the editing was so good and just like every single moment i was like laughing so hard i wish that i could like i don't think danny's listening to this but if he is well did you see his q a the other day no, I didn't. Is he posting it somewhere? Someone asked if he would share it, and he said that YouTube keeps taking it down for oh. copyright. So he's like, unfortunately, it's just a tour exclusive. No. Okay. Because wow. I want that video so that I can just like watch it when I'm sad because yeah. it is, it is iconic. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. Did you meet him no. at the event? Oh, he wasn't like signing or no. person. Oh, okay. He signed the books ahead. Oh, yeah. He seems it was just probably like huge. A genuinely like, good person good midwestern boy yeah well that's what i was <laughs> I also gonna him. say he was on this podcast i don't i'm not oh, a bravo yeah. person but he was on las culturistas and i well, sometimes when there's a guest who i don't know i'm like i just love bone yang and matt rogers so i'm like okay whatever but with him i I didn't know who he was or recognize the name but i was like he's so charming and like yeah. lovely who is this and then i looked him up and then you guys were going to his event like later that week or something yeah his podcast like i listen to it at work after i only listen to it when he's recapping something i've watched and i don't watch every single bravo show Mm -hmm. and like some of the other shows that he talks about so i don't listen to like every episode but when i do listen his recaps have me cackling at my desk and people are definitely like what are you laughing at and then i'm like sorry to explain it's a bravo thing (laughs) but yeah yeah he's great and he's from cleveland yeah i've laughed out loud alone in my room at work on the subway literally a che diaz joke i was walking down the street oh yeah hysterical laughing, and i'm like you. what's wrong with me um so yeah if you're looking for after you finish this episode if you're looking for another podcast yeah listen to that i'm excited to read that book and buy his book because i want another one so yeah, gotta, yeah. like drum up sales well at the event he did say that yeah. he's working on another one like a second book about his life so Oh, fun yeah. i could like listen to him just literally talk about anything oh yeah for sure maybe i'll read this even though i don't really i'm not a bravo person it's it's, it's not a bravo culture. book yeah 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 but like how i said wow bethany wow like he says that at one point in the book and it's just like a quick like mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. get it you get it and yeah. if you don't you don't <laughs> if like you instead know. of saying basement he says lower level which is a bravo thing but you yeah. might not if you don't get it it's not gonna not it's not gonna take away from the book right yeah it's just I'm like little like the- nods the like family antics that yeah. sounds so funny uh, the family stuff is like my favorite part yeah like yeah so good wait what was that called oh that was how do i unremember this by danny pellegrino okay i'm talking about a ya book i read recently it's called last night at the telegraph club by melinda Lowe. um this came out in 2021 i have in my notes 
shout out to the historical fiction queens of the pod. Oh, wow. So I'm doing this on the day where I'm like surrounded by the historical fiction queens. But <laughs> sorry, I just got a text. Okay. Um, but you guys, I mean, especially Kayla, you're always talking about like learning about real history from historical fiction. And that is exactly what happened while I was reading. I didn't this know book. this was historical fiction. Yeah, it's, a, it's in the 1950s. Ooh. Um, so it's set in San Francisco. Oh. In the 1950s, like I said. Um, I'm having such a hard time like straying from my notes. Just feeling rowdy. <laughs> the, main, <laughs> the main character is this girl named Lily. And she's about to start her senior year of high school. Like when we are first introduced to her. Um, she's a first generation Chinese American girl who was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. So she now that she's kind of like growing up a bit and about to start her senior year, she's also realizing how like claustrophobic and kind of insular the community is where she lives, um, which I think was partially out of necessity for safety at this time, kind of, but also, um, you, you know, she's just starting to feel like the repercussions of being in like the exact same place with this very tight knit community her whole life. Um, and these feelings are also partly due to some new feelings she's having within herself sparked by seeing this ad. Um, she's at her friend's dad's restaurant one day and she's like going through the newspaper or something and she sees an ad for someone named Tommy Andrews who is advertised as a male impersonator at this place called the Telegraph Club. So it's like a drag king, basically. Okay. And in a move that's totally unlike Lily, because she's normally pretty like, you know, follows the rules, obedient, whatever. She steals this ad. Um, she rips it out of the paper secretly and she keeps it with her and she refuses to like really think about what that might mean she's just like oh no i'm just taking this and i it doesn't mean anything dot 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 so anyway her senior year kicks off and lily is sad to see that it seems like the only thing her friends care about at this time is kind of like finding boyfriends who can eventually become husbands and starting their own families and one day she's literally running like fleeing the scene of a friend of hers who's a boy who's trying to ask her to a dance and kind of like on a date she like her reaction is to run right. away <laughs> um and she runs into the bathroom this girl who's in the bathroom named kathleen covers for her uh and goes out and tells the guy like she's sick she can't talk whatever so kath and lily have kind of been in each other's orbits for a while because they're the only two girls still in the um math class because again it's the 50s so like a lot of women it was like home ec and then you know you're not going to college um but both of them have kind of dreams of bigger things or at least like in the sciences so they're the only two girls in math but kath is a white girl and so they haven't really spoken or like they don't really have any kind of friendship or anything in this moment when she's like running the scene of being asked out by a boy kath ends up seeing Lily's um, Tommy Andrews ad. It like falls out of her bag. She invites Lily to the Telegraph Club, which turns out to be a lesbian bar in San Francisco. And the two girls go together and Lily feels like this whole new world is like opening up for her. But she's it's also still very like wrapped in secrecy and she's sneaking out of her family's home 
to meet Kath and go to the club in the middle of the night and it's very like hush hush and Kath and Lily don't really like speak at school their like whole friendship is kind of like this secret and they both sort of just understand that's how it has to be to an extent so as all of this is happening there are flashbacks to Lily's parents and Lily's aunt from years and years earlier when they are first coming to America where they first get to San Francisco and like figure out their places in America all of these flashbacks are it's like tons of context um, in general for I think the immigrant experience of Chinese Americans in the 20th century but then also context for the Red Scare in America following Mm. World War II which I remember kind of learning about but I don't know not I didn't know a ton of this. At the end of World War II, up until the mid-1950s, there was this like hysterical fear around communist China in America. So especially these like Chinatown communities in big cities, there was like, you know, kind of constant threat of like having your papers taken away and sort of like targeted police attacks and investigations and things like that going on. So obviously that fear impacted the way Chinese Americans operated in America and obviously experienced all this targeted racism. So that is another huge storyline in the book. And then cut to present day when communism weirdly becomes linked to homosexuality and all of these gay bars are being raided left and right. And then I have in my notes dot, dot, dot again. I... I mean, you can see where I'm going with that, but I I won't say anything else um, about it. But this was just such a, I thought this book was such a well done YA queer love story. It's obviously that like on its surface is really something I love. But then when you add in all the layers of what it meant to be Chinese in America in the 50s and another huge part of it, which is included a lot in the author's note, which I thought was interesting was specifically the experience of queer women of color in these predominantly white queer spaces and how all of that factors into just like a really solid love story and a girl like coming of age figuring herself out um and all of that so it was just so good last thing i'll say which i know you both have also talked about author's notes in the past but this one was really fascinating the author talks about how she came to this story and what some of these characters and bars and scenarios like actual police raids kind of stemmed from which is like real moments in history and it's just so weird how like being gay was linked to communism like that's just something that it just feels it feels very now because think about like yeah that's true even like the supreme court confirmation hearings and it's like the talk about gender being so political and so like this must mean you're a socialist yeah and yeah all of the I mean how it's linked especially in like conversations around the youth and like Mm -hmm. this guise of like protecting the kids but yeah for actual like just furthering political agendas it's wild but it's also this like based on the author's note like a lot of this was really happening in common and I think it's like an important story to tell I think um, especially just the emphasis on like women of color in these predominantly white spaces um because that was a real thing as well but yeah i gave it five stars nice yeah um and that was last night at the telegraph club by melinda lowe becky what'd you read 
Okay, so I read The Club by Ellery, Ellery Lloyd. That is a tongue twister of a name. And it's actually a husband and wife couple, and that's their like um, pseudonym. Oh, interesting. They co-write? They did, yeah. And their name's Ellery and Lloyd. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> but this came out March 1st, uh, 2022. And I guess I'm like on a roll with these like Connie, con like books and like celebrity <laughs> famous rich people books oh yeah the, again i guess all of the month of april here before i get into this one content warnings for everything um literally there's so much like horrific things in this book for everything yeah uh right. sexual assault and abuse of both minors and adults heavy drug and alcohol abuse infidelity murder death of parents loss of a child rape I could go on like Jesus. it's even as I was reading I was like oh my god this is getting like darker and darker and darker oh my god. so now that the content warning is out of the way I want you guys to imagine Soho House and for those who don't know what Soho House is it's a members only club space and it has like hotel rooms pools restaurants and it's frequented by celebrities but it's open to anyone who wants to apply and be approved for a membership who can afford it mm -hmm. um, and it's expensive it's like fifteen hundred dollars a year to be a member or something if you only go to one <laughs> did you see the poll on dumas today she just posted the results what were the results it was like do you think so house is worth it yeah what and it was it? like 75 percent said no yeah i can imagine <laughs> um even though it's still tempting to join just i have to a friend that's that. a member so it's I have like a friend nice too, yeah. to go i've only been to Soho house once but oh, i've never been i feel like not to sidetrack but it, i feel like the reason it would be worth it here is especially the Dumbo one is there's a pool. Mm. So like if you're a member, you can go to the pool during the summer, which yeah. would be nice. Um, it's also the, like the restaurants in them are so expensive too. Yeah. You have to pay once you're in there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> now that you're imagining Soho house, <laughs> imagine if it was so exclusive, you had to be an A-list celebrity to be invited to join it. You can't just join it if you want. And if you're like, an a-lister who's like on the way down you're not invited like oh. it is so so exclusive is out? yeah like basically if this was a real thing like probably britney spears would not be invited what? because she doesn't have like a career right now you know what i mean so it's is it also no pictures a lot yes so no one can even have their cell phone there you have to like turn it in interesting it's like marketed as this very locked down like oasis for a-listers to be able to go and just be themselves and not have to worry about i have been to soho house once sorry <laughs> i uh, forgot go ahead. so in this book this place this soho house type thing is called home and they're about to open their newest home location on this island and it's the most expensive and outrageous home that they've ever created and the man who's kind of behind it all is this guy, Ned Groom, and he had home passed down to him by his grandfather. And it's like been in the family. And originally when his grandfather had it, it was like this club in London that like theater people and like actors would come to after like the shows, like the, the Broadway shows or the West End shows. And it was kind of like a dingy basement. Like there were still hotel rooms in there, but it was like they mentioned Ned mentions like rats would like run across your feet in, in the back of house area. It was just like gross. And so Ned, when he gets it, he turns it into this like luxurious, like 
the design is like part of it and it's just over the top luxury and super exclusive like before any old person could join if they were in the industry and now it's a-listers only so and he's known as this guy who's like a visionary because of this but he's also like awful and he throws fits and like if something's wrong he like makes everyone's life miserable and at the end of this weekend at island home this opening weekend he's missing so the book opens with this magazine article and it's telling this like horrible story about the open this opening weekend of island home and how the members they all came down um for breakfast after the opening party the night that happened the night before and they're enjoying their extravagant eggs eggs whatever in this <laughs> underwater restaurant like so the oh restaurant is underwater and you can see like I guess the ocean or whatever body of water. It's like this place is extravagant. Um, so they're enjoying their breakfast and then they notice there's like a Land Rover that's like under the, obviously underwater because they're all underwater. They see it out the window. And at first they're like, in oh. the water? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this must be a PR stunt. Like Land Rover must be like trying to like sell to all the A-listers. And then they notice that there are bodies in the Land Rover. So this is the information that you're getting at the beginning of the book. You know Ned's missing and that bodies were found in this Land Rover. And everyone who was there is like shaken to the core. The rest of the book, it's like told through various people, the perspectives of various people who are involved in home in some way. So these are the only perspectives through the book. You've got the article, which has interviews from people. But then the main characters that perspective change, it's Annie Spark who she is like the head of membership. So she's the person who decides who gets to join home. And then Adam Groom, who is Ned's younger brother, and he's like always been in Ned's shadow, but he has his own ideas and he kind of like wants to branch off, but he's afraid of his brother. Um, Jess, who is the new head of housekeeping, and she has a secret and dark connection to one of the home group members, oh. one of the celebrities. And then Nikki, who's Ned Groom's loyal assistant, and she also has her own connections to some of the people. So I know I didn't say much about like the plot of this book, but it's a thriller. So I can say this. Home may not be what it seems, and it might have its own very, very, very dark secrets. And no one is safe from them. And so who is missing? Who were the bodies in the Land Rover? Where is Ned? How did the dark secrets come into play? Ned wasn't in the Land Rover? I don't know. Was he? Well, I don't know. (laughs) You're going to have to read it to find out. Sorry, I'm confused how he moved from London. He he like took the London space to the island or he just... Okay, sorry. I should have said home has like multiple locations. So there's like Manhattan home. There's like London home. And now they're opening the new location, Island Home. I see. Okay. And it's on this like weird... The island is like somewhere near england so it's like not like an island with a beach it's like yeah and it's interesting the description of the island it's it kind of reminded me a little bit of like fire festival not not in the (laughs) sense of like because the home is beautiful and nobody's eating like raw slices (laughs) of mustard on bologna (laughs) like the reason i say that is because it seems like it's just this kind of dilapidated island is that the word dilapidated yeah yeah this this like island that's like kind of whatever and 
the, they're coming on and making it something. Although Got it. there are, there is an aspect of, the, of this book of like the the people who live on this island who have lived there their whole lives who are like annoyed that like there's this now mm-hmm. a list home thing. Anyway, it was a good book. I could have it could have been a little shorter in my opinion, mm-hmm. but. I was on the edge of my seat. I had to know what happened. The drama is crazy. Like I said, there's a lot of dark stuff. Um, just think like of all of the horrible things you hear about celebrities doing like Me Too stuff and like worse. And then imagine they're at a place where they think no one's watching them. Oh. Do you think clubs like this exist? Like an invite I think we'd only. know about I think, it. Yeah, I think we'd know. The thing about this in the book is Everyone knows about it. Like all of the tabloids know about home. Everyone knows they exist. There's rumors about things that go on there. And that's like what makes it so exclusive is that nobody really does know. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was really interesting. And like for the first half of the book, I was like, I want to go to home. And then you learn some things and then you do not want to go there. Wow. So yeah, I think I'm going to give it 3.5 stars. Only because I think it could have been a little shorter. I mean, it's not a long book, but like there's just some details where it's like, come on, like, where's the action, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's good. It's definitely a good book. It and if intense. you're like, if you're into like celebrity gossip, I think you might be into this. Um, there's there's mentions of real celebrities, but the celebrities that are at home are fake. But you can like get you can kind of like guess who the characters maybe are supposed to be a little bit. But there's like musicians, talk show hosts, pop stars, like actors, artists, like famous artists. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So that was The Club by Ellery, Ellery Lloyd. Interesting that a husband-wife duo wrote that actually now, too. Yeah. Like now I, that I know what it's about. To be fair, I didn't read the acknowledgments or anything. There wasn't like an author's note, but I would like to know their process. Like I imagine like she wrote the female perspective and he wrote the male perspective, but it might not be that way. I have no idea. Yeah, I think it depends. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's my book. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's on your TBR? Um, I'm going to read The Secret Love Letters of Olivia Moretti. How about you, Libby? I'm going to read... Uh, Girls Can Kiss Now by Jill Gudowitz. Um, One of our listeners actually DM'd me this book recommendation. She said she just finished it and she remembered I said that I love Mamma Mia, which Mamma Mia is my favorite movie. Um, And the book is When You Get the Chance by Emma Lord and it's kind of a retelling of Mamma Mia but in New York and she's looking for, there's three people who might be her mom. Oh, wow. yeah, and it's like YA romance. So I'm going to read that. Fun. Yeah. Nice. Where are you in the internet? I'm at Becky in the Bookshelves. I'm at Sleep, Run, Read, Repeat. Our other co host is at the Lazy Library, and she is Emily. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Carrot Butt, and you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Make sure you're following, tagging us using our hashtag MyBooksInTheCity. Please make sure you're following, subscribe, whatever you have to do on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and head to the website, booksinthecitypod.com for merch, fan club, fan club, book club, all of the things. Nice. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. Emily will be back soon. (laughs) Next week, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Bye.